0: You've been dispatched to an outdoor shopping mall for a psychological rescue. As you arrive, you find several police officers in the process of restraining a man in his 20s that appears to be homeless. It's not a particularly hot day, but you notice that he's sweating profusely. He's half naked and screaming obscenities. He's definitely not going to get into your ambulance willingly. You're listening to 911 Cast, the no nonsense. EMS Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Madison Programs, a Brooklyn based medical training and consulting company with over 20 years of experience specializing in emergency medical continuing education and AHA certification classes like CPR and first aid for community members and professionals. For more information, email Madison Programs at AOL.com. I'm Scott Topiel, and this week, It's all about excited delirium. In some places, such as Los Angeles, it's called agitated delirium. In other places, like New York, it's called excited delirium. As of late, the very existence of the condition has become a matter of debate. And just last year, the American College of Emergency Physicians abandoned the term outright in favor of the new name hyperactive delirium with severe agitation. No matter what you call it, it's important to realize that these patients are not in control of their actions. They have completely lost their ability to perceive reality and, as a result, experience an intensely exaggerated fight-or-flight response. Between 2003 and 2005, nearly 1,100 arrest-related deaths in the United States were believed to have involved excited delirium. Of these deaths, Virtually all of them occurred shortly after a struggle with police or medical personnel and involved the use of physical restraint. When a person experiencing hyperactive delirium engages in a physical struggle, catecholamines like epinephrine and norepinephrine plus potassium reach dangerously high levels. Fighting against restraint causes isometric muscle contractions which lead to lactic acidosis, rhabdomyolysis, and hyperthermia, akin to heat stroke. Add things like certain psychiatric medications, a history of schizophrenia, or illicit substances such as methamphetamine into the mix, and you've got a recipe for disaster. These are difficult cases to manage in a hospital, let alone in the field. On one hand, restraining the patient is often the only way to get control of the situation and prevent them from inadvertently harming themselves or others. On the other hand, the very act of restraining them can be all it takes to push them off the cliff and potentiate cardiac arrest. So what can you do? First, start by recognizing the signs and symptoms. In Los Angeles County, protocol defines agitated delirium as agitation combined with at least two of the following, confusion, diaphoresis or profound sweating, hot flushed skin, and tachycardia. Other common findings include high pain tolerance, rapid breathing, unusual strength, an attraction to their own reflection and glass or mirrors, and spontaneously removing clothing. Now that you know what you're dealing with, it's time to intervene. While it might not be possible to avoid physical restraint, there are things you can do to make things safer. First, realize that physical restraint should not be your goal. Whenever possible, attempt calm, calm verbal de-escalation. Sometimes all it takes is reducing the amount of stimulation. Consider turning off bright flashing lights and designate only one person to talk with the patient. Of course, there will be times where physical restraint can't be avoided. In those cases, keep in mind that the real goal is to provide chemical sedation and break the dangerous cycle of agitation. The sooner the patient can be calmed and physical restraint removed, the smaller the chance of a bad outcome. When applying restraints, do so with as many people as possible and apply overwhelming force. You should also communicate with your teammates so everyone understands the goal and knows their role. The faster you apply restraints, the shorter the struggle. The shorter the struggle, the lower the risk. Be on high alert for a struggling patient that suddenly stops. Unexpected fatigue and lethargy in a patient that just an instant before was fighting with you is an ominous sign, and it might signal impending collapse. Continuous assessment and reassessment is critical. Next, provide sedation as soon as possible. In most systems, you'll give a benzodiazepine like midazolam. Since you won't likely have been able to start an IV, intramuscular administration will be your best option. Use a large muscle group like the lateral thigh instead of the deltoid for improved absorption, but don't expect IM medication to kick in for at least 15 to 20 minutes. Once safe to do so, obtain a fingerstick glucose measurement, initiate cardiac monitoring, and obtain a 12-lead EKG. Pay special attention to the QRS width and QT intervals. A wide QRS, prolonged QT interval, or peak T waves can be a sign of dangerous hyperkalemia, Many protocols will have you treat these findings with calcium gluconate or calcium chloride, as well as sodium bicarb. If you can, monitor continuous waveform capnography. Not only will this provide you with real-time feedback about the patient's ventilatory status, but it can give you early warning should they experience cardiac arrest. And don't forget about cooling the patient down if they're hyperthermic. Whether it's from drugs or the struggle itself, it's important to initiate cooling measures to bring down their body temperature. This is something we often overlook, but is nevertheless extremely important. Remove excess clothing, cool the ambulance, and place ice packs to the neck, axilla, and groin. Now, back to our case. Recognizing that your patient might be experiencing excited delirium, you grab a dose of midazolam from your narcotics box. Your partner cranks up the air conditioner in the back of the ambulance, anticipating that the man will likely be hyperthermic from the struggle. The officers quickly help transfer the patient to your gurney and, enlisting everyone's help, they hold the patient down so that you can quickly and safely administer your first dose of sedating medication in his left lateral thigh. In the back of the ambulance... You dim the lights and reduce stimulation, and your partner notifies the hospital of your ETA. Although the patient is struggling less, you can tell he's still fighting against the restraints. You administer a second dose of midazolam according to your protocol and initiate monitoring. By the time you arrive at the hospital, the patient is beginning to fall asleep. Hyperactive delirium with severe agitation is a life-threatening medical emergency characterized by agitated or violent behavior combined with other signs such as confusion, diaphoresis, hot skin, and tachycardia. These patients are prone to sudden cardiac arrest that can be difficult to manage even when witnessed. Reducing the duration of physical struggle, prioritizing sedation, cooling hyperthermia, and maintaining close monitoring can help reduce the risk of sudden death in this patient population. That's it for this episode of 911 Cast. We'd like to thank our founding sponsor, OneKit, makers of high quality first aid kits. Check out their products at buyonekit.com. That's B U Y O N E Kit.com. If you liked this podcast, please subscribe and review us on Apple Podcasts. Until next time, thanks for listening.